Hello, you're about to listen to Richard Herring's Let's Square Theatre podcast. This week's guest is Mark Watson. If you enjoy all this stuff, you can help us pay for it by going to www.gofasterstripe.com slash badges, make a one-off donation or a monthly donation. We'll probably do another Kickstarter for the next series of Her Lusterper, maybe for AI Ottima. So do keep an eye out for those. Go to richchang.com slash gigs, find out where I'm gigging. I'm coming to the Leicester Square Theatre throughout August and September doing all of my old shows. It'd be lovely if you could come and see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, or all twelve of those. There's a new one at the end called Happy Now. Uh, nothing written for that as I speak, but hopefully by the 12th of September there will be some stuff. So, anyway, let us crack on with this week's episode of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Don't be scared. Please welcome Richard Herring. Can't believe I'm back. Can't believe I'm back. Uh, welcome, welcome, one and all, to this week's Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, or as some of the cooler kids have started calling it, Rehearsed Apart. <laughs> That's what it's called now. That's, that's what it's called now. Uh, so uh, I've got a fantastic uh, show for you this week. Uh, and it's a good job that this week's show and next week's show aren't recorded at the same time. Because with me and this week's guest Mark Watson and next week's guest Robin Ince all in the same building, if all three of us were killed in a fire or something, that would cut the uh, productivity of British comedy by about 70%. So it's... Just the three of us. No one would notice. That's the thing. No one, the general populace wouldn't notice the difference. There would just be a lot less comedy going on if we uh, were all to die, which hopefully we won't. Uh, I've had quite uh, a weekend, um, quite a tiring weekend. I was trying to have a romantic weekend with my wife, uh, mixing it with work, which is always a, a danger. We went away. We're going to go away for a, to a spa in Tring. Uh, which, uh, <laughs> because I was doing some shows in Tring and they, that was part of the, the deal, they would give us a spa show. But we, we uh, it, it was, I, I, look, there was a big chain of events. I don't think I've got time to tell you all of what, what happened during this. I forgot I had a baby uh, for the first time this, for this weekend and left her in the car for a, for a little while. Uh, so, uh, just for a little while. <laughs> It wasn't entirely my fault. We were quite rushed. I'd been in Bristol the night before. I'd come back, got up really early. I was really tired. My wife had had a really t- awful time with the baby, so she was really tired. And we wanted to kind of get away to have this nice romantic weekend as quickly as we could. But then it was, it's difficult when you've got a kid to organise everything. So it was getting later and later into the afternoon. We're getting more and more annoyed. And then we left. And then my wife uh, thought she'd lost her phone. And so then she worried that because she'd been rushing, she'd dropped the phone in the street. So we had to turn. We were in difficult kind of on the, air, the, uh, the west way out of London, which is very busy at that time. We had to turn around, which took ages, and come back to Shepherds, which took ages. My street is always full of parked cars on a Saturday because the, there's the Westfields nearby. And there's beautiful Shepherds Bush. Do come and live there if you can. It's a wonderful place. Some lovely houses on the market just to the moment in Shepherds Bush. <laughs> a man took a shit in my front garden the other day, but it's a lovely place. Don't, don't let that put you off. I deliberately didn't blog about it because I thought someone might read my blog and I'm not going to buy that house. Hopefully I'll have sold the house before this one comes out. <laughs> but it's, I once did that. If you know all my work, I once did that myself. So it's karma to, uh, that I had to clear up another man's massive shit. shit massive shit. That's not even part of the story. So we had to, I, we kind of drove down this road. I dropped my wife off and then I had to park at the top uh, of the road because I, I suddenly had a brainstorm. This is how tired we were. It was only when we got home that I thought maybe I should ring the phone. 
and see if he's in the car. Uh, and I rang it, I couldn't hear anything. But then I thought, oh, I'll, re- I'll go down, I'll, re- I'll get out of the car, and I'll, re- and I'll re- hopefully hear it. If it's in the street, I'll be able to hear it ringing. Uh, but then, so I ran down the road. Then I went in the house, and my wife came and said, where's Phoebe? I said, oh, yeah, she, that's her. <laughs> She's still... It's quite a hot day. I'd left her in the car. My parents did that to me once I was left in the car for about 20 minutes with the slight window open. I didn't have the window open uh, and nearly died. So that would have been, it's, it's easily done. Uh, but it turned out, then I rang the phone again and my wife could hear it. The phone was in the car. It was tucked into the baby seat. So in a way, neither of us could really get angry with the other one. It was almost, we were all quite fraught. And then actually we'd both done something terribly, stupidly wrong. Uh, and it was okay. Uh, and then we, I got to the spa hotel. We got there quite, quite late, about five o'clock. So we thought we we're going to have a drink. And I wanted to go for a wee. And it's quite a posh hotel. That had the pretensions of that. Uh, and uh, actually now I've said Tring, it's pretty obvious where it is. But fuck it. Uh, so uh, which one it is? But it, the toilet in our room was like full of toilet paper or something. Just full to the top of toilet paper. And so I thought, well, I rang down and said the toilet's blocked, which is a bit weird. Hopefully the toilet had been cleaned. Do you think someone might have noticed this huge amount of stuff inside it? So we went down to the bar. This guy came up and we said, we pointed it out and so when anyway, we're going to go to the bar um, we thought if we come and get us if you need to move rooms if this is if this is a problem and he came down to the bar with a bag with this thing inside it held up and said don't flush your nappies down the toilet and um, i said wait no we literally just got here we didn't, we're not going to flush our nappies down the toilet and then ring you to come and get them that was we it wasn't us who did they said i can see you've got a little baby there so okay, but no what even if it had been us, you can't... If you run a posh hotel, you can't start accusing your guests. And it wasn't us, so I was quite angry. So it was a... I'm a surprise, I'm, he was lucky he didn't get punched in the head. So it was quite a time. We had quite a time. When I'm, maybe I'll tell you what happened the next day. It's everything, just everything went fucking wrong the whole weekend. But, you know, it might, might form part of my next show. So that's... <laughs> That's a good thing. Oh, look, I, I'll talk to him up for long enough. I will bring on our guest. He is obviously... I mean, there's no question what this guy is best known for. He is best known for the show Improvisation, my dear Mark Watson. Nice. Will you please welcome Mark Watson from Improvisation, my dear Mark Watson. Here he comes. There he is. Come in, sit down. Improvisation, my dear Mark Watson. Yes, that's probably... That definitely is the peak of my career, yeah. <laughs> well, who came up with the title for the, the show, The Improvisation? My, I've never seen the show, I don't know anything about it, and I, I don't want to talk about the show. a difficult period in my career, Richard. <laughs> I just want to talk about the title of the show, <laughs> Improvisation, I, I My Dear Mark Watson. understandably so. Who came up um, with that idea? And it's easy to point the finger of blame. <laughs> actually, no, it wasn't me. In fact, I did not sanction the title. Um... Because, you know, Sherlock Holmes never said elementary, my dear Watson, anyway. No, he didn't. And also, he said elementary, my dear Watson, not improvisation. Yes. And there was, didn't use the man's first name. No, he didn't, no. So this catch really was Watson, you dick. Get off that. Those are your <laughs> fingerprints. I, um, of course, as people adapt the books, they take on a different form, don't they? I, um, it's been a real problem being called Watson, actually. I don't really recommend it. Uh, it's a common enough name that people forget you. Yeah. But it's also, it reminds people of uh, Sherlock Holmes, and they, yeah. they sort of, they will do that joke. Yes, unfortunately, um, uh, this production company had this idea for doing an improv show. They thought I should host it. Yeah. So far, fine. Uh, and then um, the bloke said, I thought we could call it Improvisation, my dear Watson. But luckily... Um, 
it didn't look like it would ever be commissioned. So I thought, I just sort of humoured him and went, oh, that sounds like a lovely idea. And, um, and then unfortunately it was made, yeah. and suddenly you've got a show called Improvisation, My Dear Watson, and you're called Watson. It's, it's, called, like Impro- dick, it's called Improvisation, My Dear Mark it Watson. It wasn't called My Dear Mark Watson, was it? <laughs> it was. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch it. That is what... <laughs> I mean, if it was called Improvisation, <laughs> My Dear Watson, I, thought I would have been, and so I would have been less thought, angry about it. I thought it, it was, yeah. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Next you'll be telling me my 18-hour shows were marketed as 24 or something. Yeah, I, it was a... Um, it was a... <laughs> slow burning, but it does... It lands in the air. I, yeah, it was a problem. It was... Yeah. Um, well, you'll know yourself. So many um, sort of TV shows that uh, um, pitched in a kind of pie-in-the-sky way, that if someone says, can we do this show uh, with you attached, you don't really mind because you think, well, that'll never happen. Then yeah. suddenly, <laughs> suddenly it's too late. Suddenly you're watching a title sequence that says, Improvisation, my dear Watson, and Mark your Watson. face is... Well, I mean, <laughs> we, will, we will Google this, and I... I've Googled it. Believe me, if it was that, I would have let it go, because that's close enough. Improvisation, but my dear Watson. Been my dear Mark Watson. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> is that really what it was? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to have to write that. <laughs> I thought I had enough problems in my life. Anyway, uh, I am trying anyway. to bring... The, I've had some of the cast of Improvisation, my dear Mark Watson, on the show. The already. cast were good. I'm Josie trying, was in it. Yeah, Ru- she's Ru- been on. Rufus Hamm was in yeah, it. Yeah, I think like, he was... It was really... Um, if anyone from that show is on this show, that is what their introducers being their most <laughs> famous. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the biggest shows of the decade, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> Good, but you've done some other stuff as well. I, I, was, I was hoping I to make we'd that never bit, get on to that. But I was yeah. hoping to make that bit last an hour. Uh, the, uh, just a full hour. The people that made it were hoping that the show would last an hour, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's move on. Well, I want to ask you about cheese, first of all. Uh, uh, I'll stand my ground on this. You don't I, really like cheese? No, I don't like it. That's what um, I under- as I understand it. Yes, so I know. People nearly always make that noise. Um... It's perfectly straightforward. I don't like cheese unless it's a binding agent. In other yeah. words, in the lasagna uh, or uh, on a pizza or something where the cheese is not a primary flavour, where it's a, I'll have it as a, as a binding agent. I mean, this is completely... I don't even know why we're having this conversation. <laughs> it's a completely rational point of view. I just yeah. don't like the taste of cheese. But then don't eat cheese, even as a binding agent. Yeah, but you... Flowers, flowers are binding. You could eat a pizza with flour on the top. Yeah, if I never ate any cheese, I would never have pizza, for example. I'd yeah. be robbed of lasagna. So my thing is I'm benign towards cheese, but I won't have it. If you gave me a piece of cheese, I wouldn't eat it. Sounds like cheese is a major part of those two things that you like, though. So I'm, I'm just wondering if you, if you maybe tried some cheese. And no, I don't like cheese, we've got, Richard. Backstage, we've got the... The no, most I... eminent fromagiere. Oh, no, man. no. The last thing I want to do is eat cheese. Okay. I, I'll just say again, I hate to keep using the phrase binding agent, but uh, <laughs> I. Um, so, for example, in a lasagna, you don't really notice you're eating cheese because you ha- you've got your bechamel sauces, which I realise is cheese based, but it's not. Yeah, like, it's not. Like, that's fine. What I won't do is I won't eat a piece of cheddar, I won't eat a piece of ca- uh, camembert in particular, all those yeah. soft cheeses that people. Uh, Cooking the oven and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I think that's inexcusable, really. <laughs> I think of myself as a liberal, but when someone sticks a camembert in the oven, I think it's time to it's time to have a big but discussion, really. If you're eating I, a baked camembert, the camembert really is a binding agent in that baked camembert. It's oh, kind yeah. of holding the. 
it's a bait, stuff. Well, it's a binding agent, but it's also a primary agent. What <laughs> okay. we call a primary agent. In fact, it is. I would say in a baked camembert, camembert is the primary ingredient. So I, I can't tolerate that. Basically, what I'm saying is I hate cheese, but I accept lasagna is really nice. Um, but even within the realm of pizza, I won't have a Four Seasons pizza or. I won't have a pizza where cheese is overrepresented. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll have a Hawaiian pizza because the headlines are ham and pineapple and the cheese is sort of a, It's actually perfectly sensible. Like, I, I, as I say, I, I think you kind of we're making a drama out of this where it doesn't need to be right. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. You are cripplingly afraid of thunder and lightning, I understand. Yeah, you've done. You've. I have done my research. research. Yeah, well, like, the, the thing is, we share a tour manager, you and I. So I, I've managed to get. I've managed to get some quite good. Bloody child. <laughs> I've managed to get some quite good. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a that is problem. Yeah, yeah it's a what's, what's your problem with? Because you do you not think it kills more people than heart attacks? Is that you? I don't think it. There's no doubt. The thunder, <laughs> like, lightning is the Britain's biggest killer. Yeah. yeah. It, um, <laughs> it, it's. It's a terrible, um, it's a terrible scourge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, it, I'm terrified of it. I, I what is it. it? Is it the noise or is it the f- fire coming from the sky? It's, yeah, it's the massive discharge of it. Le- le- um, what's the word? Electricity. Electricity. Yeah. 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 The word is wine. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> it's um, yes. It's the enormous amount of uh, voltage going through your. It's terrifying. Have you ever been hit, have you been hit by lightning? No, if I did, I wouldn't be here because it's... it's an, I mean, I know people claim to have survived lightning strikes, yeah. but in reality, that never happens, I don't think. <laughs> lightning um, is a terrible... It's a killer. And unlike things like cancer, we will never... We can't solve lightning. Like, it will, as long as we have the planet with these climatic conditions... The, 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 no, climatic conditions. Climatic yeah. means to yeah. climax, isn't it? Yeah. It's good, too. It's awful. Th- lightning's terrifying. I'm amazed that people aren't scared of it. Every time there's a storm, people, if anything, people quite enjoy storms. We go, oh, let's go out and run around and wave the golf club in the air. And I, I think it's like... <laughs> Lightning's horrifying. It's, it's, yeah. If you get struck by it, you're, you're. I mean, you die. I believe primitive people were very scared of it when they. I believe your mum was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's a real. It's called astrophobia. It's a proper. It's a proper. Um, I've had treatment for it. I had hypnotherapy. Hasn't with, worked though, has it? He's no, still scared. Well, I had hypnotherapy for it, but the thing is, being hypnotised is quite scary as well. So that didn't really work. <laughs> 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 So now I'm in therapy for that process, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we're, no, I've seen videos on the internet on some of the channels I like where a man hypnotises someone and then starts fiddling around with them. Would <laughs> you be worried about that? <laughs> that might have happened to you. You wouldn't know because well, you were hypnotised. No, no, I'm hypnotised. I've been hypnotised just to say, to, just to shout when I, I hear the word chicken <laughs> or something, yeah. I haven't seen you on any of those videos that I watch. They're mainly um, young women on, uh, the, as, on the videos. As far as I know, I've not been molested while being hypnotised. I would no, quite like to see that, though. I'd quite like to see you know, Amongst all the women... No, I mean, not that I watch a lot of them. <laughs> amongst the dozens of women. <laughs> just suddenly a, a man in his 40s. Uh, th- 35 this year, Richard. OK, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of myself. Oh, I see. The terrible thing is, I think I'd quite like to be. I think I wouldn't. I don't think I'd mind that. I'd, yeah. Uh, if someone's going to interfere with me, I think I'd be. Well, again, that's, ideally, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of. In, I'm married. I've been married for three or four years now. Three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm trying to find loopholes in that whole. You're not allowed to have sex with other people. Thing. Porn is a, porn is basically nature's biggest yeah. loophole. But yeah. if you were if you were hypnotised by someone and they had sex with you, there's not you could your wife would go. What did you just say? Ah, oh, it's hypnotised. So yeah. But you know, if I'm found in bed with Paul McKenna 
I'm golden now. It's fine. I, there's well, nothing yeah. she can do. There's nothing your wife can do, but no. you've got other problems. <laughs> and uh, this is a new emergency question. If you do, you would you consider having sex with a robot, like in the Channel Four program Humans? Humans, yeah. Would you consider that as cheating? Because I don't. That's not. That's not cheating, is it? So it's somebody that has the. It has the properties of a it looks human. Looks like a human, but it's not. It's just but like I a, know it's a robot. It's just a big blender, really, and it's a toaster. <laughs> So if you were having sex with the toaster... So you're asking me to weigh up having sex yeah. with a blender. Yeah. Um, it's the old blender fucking chestnut. Um, but it's in the shape of a beautiful woman. But your wife couldn't really complain about that. My wife wouldn't let me do it. She, we had a d- big discussion about it. And I, I, I think mean, the technology isn't really there yet. I, I think I'd be in trouble, yeah. I think I'd be unpopular. Yeah. I think, I, think, I mean, the marriage vows don't currently exactly. incorporate humans. It's true, but I don't think... I don't think, no, I think, because it looks like a, a person, I think yeah. it would still be seen as poor form, I think, yeah. You know, the fact that you would be able to say, yeah, it was a droid, I don't, think, I don't <laughs> think it would completely let you off, no. So, no, I think I'd have to say, I mean, it depends, though. In a way, if it was, if it was like, so obviously robotic that it's clearly not a human. That's worse. Is it? Yeah, it's perverted. You want to have sex with a not... Uh, <laughs> If we start criticising people for being pervs, though, then it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm just saying that you're on safer ground if yeah. it's clearly not a human. I think the, the ambiguities begin when it's, when it's too much like a human, yeah. Let's hope the situation never emerges. Have, have you ever forgotten that you have a child and left it somewhere? I heard you talking about that. <laughs> yeah, quite often. Because yeah. the thing is, you're like, there every day. You yeah. can't always be on form, no. can you? Yeah. I, um, it's quite a worry. The first time it happens, it's quite worrying because it really is like. <laughs> no, it's that moment where where's Phoebe? Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. That's quite bad. And then you, you sort of get used to it. Yeah. Well, I've got two now as well. Yeah. So you can't, like. You can't always be worrying about two at the same time. <laughs> you're fine if you have two. That's what happens as well. The, the, the elder one's five years old, so I'm used to the idea I've got an elder. So yeah. I never forget him. But now and again, you think, oh, I've really taken care of this situation. I, I, I've done the cleaning. Here's my five-year-old. Shit, there's another one. And, uh, that, that has, that's happened a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. I left her for... I suppose this will go out, actually, and this, is, this will be unpopular. But I did... Um, I left her for a few minutes in a... Uh, soft play, okay. which is a facility for children, but she wasn't in a bit. She was she was in the cafe bit, and um, <laughs> I am um, in the like serving behind the. Yeah. <laughs> and that was and genuinely, I, I, I just had a moment where I thought, Shh, oh, I've got two children. So yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you shouldn't judge yourself. Your harshest critics will say you've only got one, so it should be possible to remember that. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's, you know you well, get was... used to having life without children, don't you? And you then do. Suddenly you've got a factor in a well, new and then variable. You're tired, and there's lots of stuff going on, oh, and your tired. wife's running around looking for phones and stuff. That you know, that oh, is, it was a, it was an ex- exceptional circumstance. You deserve all the sympathy you can get. I do. Out, but yeah, she was safe in the car. Mm. Oh, it's not like you left her in a sort of no. lion's den or something. I also, when I parked the car. I've got, I've got an automatic car, and the handbrake should come on automatically, but sometimes it doesn't. Oh. And, the, uh, and the car, when I parked it, it rolled back a bit, and then a woman and a small boy were, were crossing the road behind it, and then she looked at me really angrily. Yeah. So that also distracted me, from because I nearly killed a child as well. <laughs> yes. And so, it would have been an awkward day if you killed a child oh, yeah. and then neglected your and own child. And forgot that my own yeah. child was there. <laughs> sort of karmic, I suppose. And that was in yeah. prison. I want to be in prison and go, oh, yeah, I forgot. No, I mean, probably ideally, even. you remember how many children you have and you, you don't kill anyone else's children. And then that counts as a good day, I think. And, yeah. and don't have sex with any robots. And you don't have sex with the robots, yeah. 
Do you think it's wrong that I've only been married for three years and I'm looking for loopholes in how I can have sex with <clears throat> other objects, really? I don't like to judge whether it's wrong, but it's definitely a conversation worth having with your wife, yeah. Um, but watching pornography on a computer, that's all right? I don't think that porn even comes under the category of a loophole, does it? Porn is just... It's, it's, like having, it's like milk or something. What if the... Yeah. Uh, what if the computer, as you were having sex with it, had a little nozzle... That you put your that you put your penis into, and you could just, and then that moved around on its own. Would that count as cheating? Because I don't see well, where. I, I don't well, think it would count point? as cheating, but I don't think it would count as a very good evening either. Uh, I, you could be doing other, you could be doing other stuff with your hands. Oh, I agree. It's pragmatic. You can watch, yeah, I just um, then it's going like a little milking machine. Yeah, I, I, like that, and then. Is that cheating? That, would that be cheating? Or so is it, as long as it's your own it. hand looking and imagining you're having sex or watching having sex with those people? I think and I, you're older than me and I don't want to give you kind of what might seem patronising lifestyle advice, but yeah. I don't think you should uh, jam your cock into the vent of a computer. No, I, I, um, I think if at all possible you shouldn't do that. It would that. be a special device. I'm not, I, I, My I, computer I, is currently in the Apple Store because it's got something spilled on it. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's going to come back with quite a detailed report, I think. Yeah, they might be called genius, but they won't have seen anything quite like this before. Yeah, I'm not worried about it from a moral point of view. No. I, just, I just think you can probably even even I'm with the strictures to, of marriage, I think you can do better than I'm putting it in I'm trying to work out what where the point where the sex with the machine becomes unacceptable. That's all I'm saying. So watching machine and and and, and some would say, but being a voyeur, secretly masturbating over the thing on that machine. I don't know why I'm asking you these questions. No. Here we are. I trust you. I feel like you would know the answer. Yeah, answers. I know. We're well, having a lovely time. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think basically it's fine to do pretty much anything involving your dick and a computer from a moral point of view. I just think you might come away feeling a little bit disappointed with your life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, clearly, you've, you've been to lower ebbs before. So. Uh, <laughs> Fine, I take it all back. Stick it in and see what happens, yeah? I'll give it a go. Um, I've got one more question from from Giles for you. Could you tell me what your Aussie Rules Football Prediction League is called? So, um, I mean, this is very niche, to be fair. Okay. But um, as you've said, Giles is my tour manager, also Rich's tour manager. Um, The two of us are basically the two English people interested in Australian Rules Football which for me is part of a general suite of sport uh, obsession. So we have a prediction league where we bet, um, not for money, just for honour, on the um, <laughs> results of Australian rules football every week. Uh, we've, this is our third season. We've had two seasons. I won both the previous seasons. And so I think, understandably, the competition is called the Watson Cup. And um, <laughs> that's... Um, Every year, Giles says that he'll buy a trophy and give it to me. He never, he's never got round to it. Yeah. So all I've had out of it is the honour of, of having it called that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Also, this year I'm uh, twelve points up. I um, <laughs> which I don't like to dwell on it, but I'm like, there's a lot wrong with me, but I can definitely tip Australian rules games to uh, quite accurate. <laughs> Previously, the Watson Cup was the name given to the Connect Four tournament conducted annually between me and my dad, which um, I've talked about this on stage before, but it, was, it ended in 1989 because um, I lost in the decider and I threatened to commit suicide. Um, <laughs> left a note on the kitchen table saying, I've killed myself because you're better at Connect Four than me. <laughs> and um, my dad came up the stairs, knocked on the door, and I said... Yes, and he said, no, nah, thought not. And I was, um, <laughs> so, um, 
the, the, the name the Watson Cup has lain dormant for more than 20 okay. years. But now it's been, and as I say, it's not an ego thing, it's purely that I was the inaugural winner, so okay. that's why I have it. Yeah. And if you lose, will you kill yourself? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's no, you have to try and win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like sport. You do like sport. The only thing I can know that I remember about Aussie rules football, I don't doubt this guy's still playing because this was about 10 years ago. There was a player who had like a finger that was always bothering him and meant he, had to t- he couldn't play Aussie rules football. And yeah, he's his, retired now. Yeah, yeah, he was getting on his nerves. You say you don't like sport, but you pay close attention I do, to what this Lord a, Sugar says about sport. <laughs> this um, is a good story. He had a, bad, he had a bad finger, so he kept on missing games, so he decided to have his finger amputated so that he'd be able to play, he wouldn't have to... Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. That's quite a commitment. To, I, I admire that man. Yeah, I think if you're prepared to have a finger lopped off... <laughs> so you can play sport. ...to play a game that involves both your hands, it's almost worth admitting you just shouldn't be in sport. Yeah. 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 Well, I, t- I sort of am interested in sport in a comedic level. I find it kind of funny, but it's because it's one of the things I'm not interested in. But I'm not interested in a lot of things that normal people are interested in. Like, yeah. I'm not that interested in music, and I find sport kind of a bit ridiculous. No sport, no music. Yeah. What just, do you get up to? Is it I'm mostly just, mainly, just porn? Yeah, mainly sex with computers. <laughs> working right. out. Trying to invent the porn bot computer is my... <laughs> What I'm trying to do, got, my best. I understand that. I've got quite a lot of things that I, yeah. that I don't do, which which the majority of people are interested in. But yeah. I find like I don't really watch TV. I no. hardly ever watch TV, and I'm not on Facebook, so I feel alienated from quite a lot of human yeah. society. Yeah. But sport's quite fun. I mean, I, what I enjoy about sport, which maybe you would enjoy as well, is that I, I like the idea of people who aren't very good at sport being playing sport, and people going to watch that. That would be more interesting to me. Well, yeah. Than to people who are really good, just people who aren't that good. It's a shame we don't have a professional circuit for. Um... <coughs> So what nearly happened there? I nearly made a joke about the Paralympics, and I went, <laughs> but I now I was like, um, that's, but you can see why that would have been a catastrophe for my career, and also it would have been completely distasteful. And I think the great thing is that I definitely didn't make the joke. And, However, this you is certainly you certainly rescued it. <laughs> yeah, I, in a way that just stopping and not saying anything could never have done. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> it's definitely lucky that I brought it up and then backed out of it. I think yeah, that was the safest thing to do. Right, on we go. <laughs> when you started doing stand-up comedy, you did it with a Welsh accent. Yeah, yeah. You're not Welsh, so what's going on? Well, George, I mean, our Sam man said he compared you to that woman who blacked up. <laughs> Pretended to be black. Because he's Welsh. And I think he's quite offended that, yeah. he, that you would pretend to be Welsh. And, and I did used to black up as well, to be fair. Uh, and I did a thing with my eyes. But, um... Well, um... <laughs> they can't see that on the podcast, luckily. It's filmed, Mark. <laughs> but, but it was that. It was like doing, like, Chinese eyes, but in an offensive way. Um... <laughs> but luckily I was doing it in the context of things that you definitely couldn't do because it would be an offensive shtick to it so yeah that's fine it's interesting to but I, I was but I say it because similarly when I, I this is going really well by the way when I, start, when I started doing stand up I did uh, I did a kind of Somerset character I started out as yeah. a character and, I, and, and it was a you know I, I put, and I, was, was it as a sort of shield away from being yourself uh, yeah like, basically yeah. it was yeah it was much more nerve wracking to do it as myself yeah. and if you're I've sort of got used to it now, but if you are up there with your own uh, voice and personality, you do sort of think, oh, this is shit. Uh, plus, <laughs> when you're starting out, and I had done a Welsh accent plenty of times before, but, uh, because my family, my mum's Welsh, I've, I've heard Welsh accents a lot, I grew up in Bristol, 
which is very is easy. Is it your real mum or just a woman you call your mum no, who I, you I, have photos <laughs> taken with? Yeah, no, my, my real mum is a Welsh person <laughs> okay. that I never speak to. But um, <laughs> the person that became, surely Bass is my yeah. actual mum. But the, um, <laughs> the, my real mum, uh, yeah, she's got, so I'm used to Welsh accents. Yeah. And um, at university, the uh, handful of times that I did comedy, I would do it with a, Welsh accent. So when it came to doing stand-up, I thought... But the thing is, and it might have been the same when you started, I didn't really have a plan for it to go well. I, I just thought, well, this will be fine. I'm only doing five minutes. When you start out, you do tiny chunks of comedy. So you don't have a long-term plan. And then gradually <laughs> it became... I, it went well. And so people started saying, there's that Welsh guy. So I felt I had no option but to carry it on. <laughs> and um, very soon, within six months of starting my career, I was locked into a sort of Welsh lie. And... Um, did you pretend to be Welsh off stage oh, as well? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah I, um, I did, we went to a gig once and I was doing the Welsh accent in your car because uh, <laughs> I, I, I felt like if people... If I didn't use the voice off stage... People, and that, th- this is why it started to crack for me because I, I felt like I can't really do this for my whole life. The, I would do the gig and I'd get in the car and we would all be driving home and I'd go, yeah, no, it went pretty well. Like, okay, I, I, uh, I'm relatively happy. And uh, if it's a four or five hour journey, you would think, well, this is... A, for 20 minutes on stage... This is quite a big ask, really, to pretend to be Welsh. No, I got invited to a dinner for young Welsh achievers. And, um, <laughs> and I mean, obviously I went, because at this point in my career, I was very poor, so if I could get a free dinner. Uh, but people there were speaking in Welsh, and that was it, so I had quite a long evening. Um, and after that, I started thinking, this won't really do. Yeah. And... Um, Plus, there was Rod Gilbert at this point. I mean, yeah. Rod and I had been in a lot of... We'd, our careers came sort of in parallel, so and I was aware all this time he was much more genuinely Welsh. So for a variety <laughs> of reasons, I, I sort of had to drop it. Yeah. Did you do a show with Rod in Edinburgh, is that right? Yes, we did yeah. a show of, like, Wales's top two comedians. Were you comedians. pretending to be Welsh? Then? It was Wales's yeah. top one comedian, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was from Bristol, it's only 12 miles, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm this close to being Welsh. If there's ever an Anglo-Welsh war... There's every chance Bristol will become part of Wales if that Wales is successful in that war. Oh, no, I don't think so. No, no I, I like to think Bristol will stay loyal. Yeah. <laughs> in the terrifying... I once dreamt there was an Anglo-Welsh war. I, 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 it's one of my most frightening dreams ever. About uh, five years ago, I dreamt I was in my garden, my old house, and there was an England v Wales war. So we were being bombed by, uh, by the Welsh. Yeah. And um, I was there doing my stand-up voice, going, but I am Welsh. <laughs> and, uh, but the... As you can imagine, the the uh, the Welsh equivalent of the Luftwaffe knew no mercy. <laughs> and um, anyway, I woke up and it was basically fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as with so many dreams, you've just got to ride it out. Yeah. I'd just say to the Welsh, you know, remember what happened last time, and we will win. So don't even think about. Oh, it. it's not worth it. No, don't it's think not about it because we'll win. It's much better if we stay in harmony with the and the yeah, Scottish. But, really. Yeah. <laughs> You would back England in the war, yeah. yeah. There's just more manpower, there's far yeah. more. I don't, I'm against Scotland, I'd be quite scared, but not Wales. <laughs> uh, so, we've, we're much more numerous than the Scottish, but yeah. they are quite fierce, aren't and they? And they don't really care about, you know, staying alive. No. It's, they live in Scotland, so, you know, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's a lovely... can be a lovely place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. Limmy is a guest in uh, the future, if, if he doesn't hear this one. So uh, it's uh, just practising for when he's on. Uh, and, uh, well, let's, let's talk about this. We'll get this uh, out of the way. Um, your Magnus Cider advert. Oh, I'm glad we're getting it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was terrified we wouldn't bring it up. 
Yes, uh, pear cider. Yeah, pear, and it was pear cider. And it, quite famously, uh, Stuart Lee did a routine about this. I was going to say, you're not even the first person out of Herring and Lee to bring this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also the first person to call it Herring and Lee. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why that happened. <laughs> the correct, it should be, that is the correct. And we actually, uh, when we, we had a quite a big discussion about which way round it should be. Yeah. I didn't really care. Uh, and our producer at the time said she thought it should be Herring and Lee, and Stu felt very strong that it should be Lee and Herring. I find that unlikely. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He's not somebody that would let his ego get in the way of consideration. And I right think if I'd, if I'd put, we didn't realise for about two or three years, but I think if I'd said that sounds a bit like Lee and Perrin sauce, and it all looked like we've named ourselves after Lee and that Perrin sauce. That would be awful because that is a commercial product. It is, well. exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can't start endorsing things that people pay money for. <laughs> Uh, oh, I might as well say. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. So um, here's the the state of play between me and Stuart Lee, your erstwhile collaborator, is that I did. Uh, you know, there are other pod, there's other podcasts. Yes. Yeah, so so um, <laughs> they're not as good, but they're not worth watching. It's terrible. <laughs> so I did Stuart Goldsmith podcast. I referred in a very respectful way to Stuart. Just um, he said, "Have you ever thought about having a drink with Stuart Lee and, and talking through this side of business?" Yeah. And I said very flippantly, "Stuart is, is too successful now. He's become a sort of uh, idol to the comedy world. I would need a special uh, pass to talk to him." And it really was a flippant remark. But I received an angry email from Stuart <laughs> saying, um, "I understand from your podcast you need a in inverted commas special pass to talk to me." What does this refer to? Why are you so? I was frightened because that's I mean, Stuart Lee. I like. I, well, I like him. I respect him, and also you can. He can have you deported. Uh, so, um, so like he has. He's definitely. He's like the eighth most powerful person in the country. So, um, so I wrote him back in quite a detailed email saying it was not meant as any sort of slight on you. It just uh, I was just referring flippantly to the fact that you now have. Uh, Kind of, you have been beatified by the comedy world. People like me uh, feel as if we can't offend you now with that. Blah blah. And it was really respectful. Um, and I replied, and that reply came from me within half an hour of the. Yeah. Uh, but nothing. I've not heard back from him. I don't so, think he reads his. From from my dealings with him by email, I don't think he reads his emails. Well, so well, he would just he'll just not. say that you've you've carried on saying that. That's what. But what it means is that I'm basically communicating with Stuart Lee through podcasts. Okay. Now. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm just if he's listening to this, please, Stuart. Just I'm. I think uh, let's let's we can work this out, Stuart. Uh, I'm sorry about my uh, occasional commercial sellouts. It seems. I mean, it just. It seems odd to me when a lot of. Uh, I mean, I, I. I can understand it because I. Don't, I don't. I, apart from the stupid adverts I've started putting on to this show, podcast, I would. I would. I, I would find it. I find it sort of compromising to to be in an advert in some ways. Oh, but I gosh, also. Yeah. But I also. <laughs> but I also think it's up to an individual to choose. It seems weird to pe- people are kind of getting picked on well, as individuals, and there's so many people who do do adverts. It's just. It's, it's just. That's your own personal view. My own personal view is I don't really want to do them. Uh, I, but I think I, I could have my arm twisted by £250,000. That's, that's all you'd want? Yeah. Um, yes, I have my arm twisted for an awful lot less than that, yeah. uh, it's fair to say. But it's but just the point where your arm could be twisted, isn't it? There was a point where my arm could be twisted, and I think... But, and I say this, and I've already said this um, in relation to the advert, and it, it kind of sounds disingenuous, but... I genuinely thought that no one would care at all. Like, I, because 
I'd never done a TV advert before, but I had done, you know, promotional stuff and things for yeah. bits. Of, and I just sort of thought, because, I don't know, I think partly I don't watch very much TV and I don't interact with adverts at all. Like, I, I never remember any adverts. or So I just sort of thought, this is pretty innocuous. I, I, I'd certainly never see a comedian on an advert. And, and I suppose, and again, this sounds naive now, but my radar was uh, Stephen Fry. Fry at the time, was on an advert for tea bags or something. Yeah. He, in the time, in the 12 months before I did my advert, Fry uh, had done two or three adverts, and I thought, nobody has more respect, um, more of the love of the general public than Fry. So if Fry can advertise basically anything and get away with it, that must mean that there's a convention where people <laughs> accept that... Uh, but I think I, what I misunderstood was that I'm not as popular as Fry. So Fry, <laughs> Fry has accumulated a lot of credit already, which means that if he's flogging tea to you, you think, ah, oh, fuck off, but you're still Fry. <laughs> Whereas when people saw me... But the other thing was, I, like, I just... I don't know. I think comedy is a very, very left-wing sphere. And I, I, I suppose I feel like... I mean, I'm not like a. I'm. I am sort of. I'm a voted Labour. I'm not exactly a. I wouldn't describe myself as capitalist by any means. But I do sort of feel like. Basically, I think my point is adverts are meaningless. I don't think they matter. I think if someone is stupid enough to give you money to advertise something, you might as well do it, unless it's something that's really morally reprehensible. I wouldn't have taken it on if it was something that I thought. If it was a product that I thought people would. But I couldn't imagine people would be offended by Magna's pear because it's not even the most successful pear cider, <laughs> as we all know. In fact, it's third now. There's Copperberg now. Um, and even at the time, it was, it was Bulmers was uh, clearly the market leader. And they were hoping with my campaign that Magna's would overtake Bulmers. But uh, I looked recently and Bulmers has got a bigger lead than ever. Um, and it was not a very good advert. And, but yeah, I'm still kind of... I, I, I do completely understand. I think if I had a sort of Bill Hicksian uh, track record of uh, damning adverts or damning the corporate world in general, then I would uh, be open to charge of hypocrisy. But as it is, I was just hired to do a thing and I yeah. don't really see the, the harm in that. And as an actor, really. I mean, it wasn't like, hi, I'm Mark Watson from Improvisation, no. My Dear Mark Watson. <laughs> no, of course. You didn't sully the name of Improvisation, My Dear Mark. People thought I was surfing the massive success <laughs> of Improvisation. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that the, the, that show had its hardcore fans that were upset. Um, I think there's, yeah, a le- there's a level of sort of being patronising about it, and you know I, I think about this a lot because and I don't, you know, I've turned down the things I've been offered. I don't get offered very much, so it's not. It's easy for me to say I'm not that bothered. But I also think there's a sort of patronising element to it. It's like I understand that adverts are evil, but the people that you're who are watching this out into the, the world, they might not understand that, and they might be taken in by the lies. So well, you know, it seems a patronising attitude I, in that I, way. I do think that a bit, I, I, and I, again, I. I'm prepared to sort of be wrong on this issue, but, you know, somebody, a well-known comedian, uh, gave me a lot more abuse than Stuart for it. And um, his thing was like, well, how can you advertise booze? In a, this is a nation of alcoholics. Teenagers that like your comedy are going to see that. And firstly, if, if the upshot of the advert is that they buy pear cider, <laughs> we're all safe. Because you, <laughs> the amount of that you'd have to drink before you manifested any sort of drunkenness is, <laughs> is physically impossible. I, I drank pints and pints of that during the advert, and there's barely any booze content in it at all. But also, and again, I, I, I'm aware that I'm probably swimming against uh, some sort of moral tide here, but I do feel that you should be allowed to advertise products, even if you morally disapprove of them, because... 
you know, people are going to, adults are going to drink or, or gamble or they're going to yeah. do it anyway. I understand there's a convention of, of having these warnings saying drink responsibly. Even that is a bit of a cop-out. Yeah. It's weird to have two minutes of saying drinking's amazing <laughs> and then in the end go, but do be careful, don't drink. <laughs> like, um, but if you're going to allow the adverts, you have to accept that people sort of make decisions, you know. Yeah. I, I sort of think, um, I mean, I drink... Oh, much too much. Like I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of drinking, and it'll certainly kill me in the next 20 years. But I don't blame advertising for that. Advertising merely reiterates what I already know, which is that booze is on sale. I sort of feel like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's not as if someone sees an ad for, for Ladbrokes and thinks betting. Well, I've never heard of that. But um, so to me, it. It's peculiar to me to talk as if adverts uh, facilitate a form of consumption which otherwise wouldn't be possible. Yeah. You, you, everyone knows, everyone here knows you can buy stuff. If, if someone advertises it, you're not more likely to buy it. You still make your own decisions. Yeah. Against this, it has to be said, I bought a flat from the advert. <laughs> so um, I'm completely aware that I, I'm in a morally dubious position. And to be fair, I've not done an advert since, but not because of that, yeah. just because uh, the success of the Magnus advert <laughs> didn't allow anyone else to hire me. Um, but yeah, I do, I do feel that. I, I, and I also said this at the time, and I would say it again now. At the time the Magnus advert was offered to me, I'd just written a novel which took nine months, and which... Um, ultimately was published but at the time it didn't look as if it was but I'd been dumped by my publisher and I, I have a lot of kind of projects like that which are quite you know labour intensive and um, artistically high minded and which you get hardly any money for so if I'm offered something like an advert which um, is potentially lucrative although this sounds um, like something you would say in your justification I genuinely see it as an opportunity to fund Things like I've written five or six novels without ever making any money out of them because that's what I love doing, and I've done quite a lot of other projects which which don't ever pay. So that would be my answer to people like Stuart who see it as a kind of compromise. I think that throughout history, um, people that want to write things like poems or books or plays have had to rely on the patronage of uh, rich people, and if that takes the form of Magnus Pear, so in that case, <laughs> I, I, as a result of the Magnus advert, I was able to spend six more months reworking a novel, and I did end up yeah. published. So that's that's the, in all seriousness, that's the way I justify it. Well, life Sometimes, is full of those kind of compromises, and it, it, yeah. it is a question of whether then something, whether a thing you want to do exists or doesn't exist. Then yeah. you, you know, sometimes you can't stay true to what the sixteen-year-old you would have said maybe no, or, but, think, but even if the 16 year old didn't say you know I think sometimes people especially Stuart can think I think this and therefore it is universally true I think and I, it yeah. often is but often but, is and uh, I do but, respect him and I, I, I <laughs> genuinely respect people that are principled enough never to take an advert I would say if the 16 year old me had dreamed of nothing but being a novelist if that person had been approached and said so you can uh, you'll be a novelist but you'll be you'll be uh, chucked by your publisher and to revive your novel writing career you have to advertise cider I think I would have definitely said yeah fine do you mean Strongbow or something like that <laughs> and then this mysterious person would have said no uh, when you're in your 30s there'll be a new type of cider which is made with sort of pears and other soft fruits and it will, it will never really catch on um, you know, I would have said A yes I'll probably do it for my writing ambitions and B how do you know this about the future of cider <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't regret it, I don't think, because um, I, I was able to do a year of writing 
as a result of it. Um, but was but it like, weird being... I mean, I, th- I think it's all interesting that then it became a thing that obviously comedy fans... Uh, Follow Stu a lot, and so did that become a? Did it become more difficult after the after the routine? Or well, was I it... didn't like that much because um, nobody wants to be the butt of the routines of somebody yeah. as famous and as oft quoted as Stuart Lee. And um, but I didn't blame him. I, at no point did I think it was unfair. I did accept that if you take uh, the money to do an advert, you you'll you'll be criticised. Um, Maybe comedically, maybe, but the only the sad thing really is that I really respect Stuart, and um, it's hurtful to be uh, criticised by people that, of whom you have a high opinion. But I don't know. I I sort of um, yeah, it's true that it's it's very weird to be in a routine that people <laughs> come up to you and sort of quote, and yeah. um, I, I'd rather not that. I'd rather um, well, I suppose I'd rather. The three things that comedy fans most commonly say to me are, third, is something about a joke of mine. Second is Stuart Lee's thing. And the first thing is, I love your bit about uh, your suitcase, which is actually Rod Gilbert. But, um, <laughs> of course, I always say thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it's, um, it's especially a shame because I'm, um, quite, I'm not particularly... Uh, confrontational personality so I'd never have imagined that I'd be in a situation where I'd made enemies of Frankie Boyle and Stuart Lee two <laughs> of the of the opinion formers of contemporary comedy and um yeah I hate it I hate I, 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 I hate I hate being um that guy because yeah. also because and again I hate to kind of I'm only banging on about this because well you've touched a nerve yeah but, um, <laughs> I did it I did it on purpose <laughs> There are a lot of comedians out there whom you could criticise of riding some sort of gravy train towards um, commercial success. I would say that, although I did do the advert, I've done like I've written all these books and all these marathon shows, and the majority of my career has been spent doing relatively kind of unusual projects that don't uh, make any money and that don't really garner much attention from the general public so I think what hurts for me is that I like to see myself as the sort of person that is in that camp of yeah. alternative of genuinely innovative comedians but because of the advert I don't really have a leg to stand on but there are times when I think you write five fucking novels um, <laughs> but I, I've, I've yet to say that because we only communicate through podcasts <laughs> and a uh, sixth one on the way <laughs> Plus a graphic novel coming out, and graphic novels aren't lucrative. I, it does. I think it's. It seems unfair out of all the people you could. You know, if you if you wanted to pick on somebody, I mean, I mean, Stephen Fry would be an interesting to pick on. Uh, Johnny Vegas, who was on last week, has done lots. Oh, there's and lots loads of, of great people to pick on. Yeah, people, people. You know, so it's weird. Some people you go, oh, that's all right. Old Johnny Vegas, we all love him. That's fine. So it's yeah. Because also, I didn't get that much money for it. I've got. I've definitely got less money than Stuart Lee. Like, it's, it's not as if I'm Frankie for that matter. No. Which is the other thing. It's odd to be, it's odd to be um, labelled as a commercial sellout by people that you know are more commercially successful than you. Yeah. Like it's not. Well, I don't know. I haven't asked you how much money he's got. Um, yeah, again, because it's really only these podcasts where we chat. But, um, <laughs> but it's not as if I've you know uh, made an obscene amount of money. And, and there are plenty of people you could point the finger at within comedy that are doing that. Having said that. Stuart has also targeted quite a lot of those people as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not as if I'm the only victim. It's true. It's all right to make money, I think, is, is probably... If you, I think it's all right to make money. I think capitalism isn't perfect, but 
it's sort of fair that if you do some work, you get paid for it, I think. It, it makes it easier in the long run, I think. It does. I, than and just I, saying, and I let's, think... let's share... I worked it out the other day because I was trying to think of something of the show, and I think if you shared out everything in the world equally between every single person, you'd have something like £250 each and £1,000 worth of property. Uh, but yeah. then, do you have to then... How, when you even out... Is it like the prodigal son, that if that person goes out and spends their money, then the next weekend it gets evened out again? Or are, doing are, a lot we, of... are we just going to reset and then... It's a lot of math <laughs> for someone, to... isn't it? It is, yeah, it's difficult. But you're uh, right, I mean, that is a point. If, if you're talking about uh, what is fair, then really all of us should give loads of our money to yeah. people in Ghana, yeah, because all, and pretty much everyone in this room is a lot richer than... Um, is in the top uh, 0.1% of... And everyone knows that. Yeah. So if you're going to be criticised for making money, then I think it's legitimate to say, well, you also have quite a lot of money. Why, yeah. What are you doing with it? What, well, you it's know. like those people who say, check your privilege on you know, Twitter or f- Facebook. Yeah. Are using a computer... Uh, which is already it worth more. That more privileged than, yeah. <laughs> Even if they've just got access to it, they're more privileged than yeah. most people in the world. Uh, anyway, look, before I forget, I should have said this at the, be- at the beginning of the show. Daniel Kleinberg paid me some money to say this. Who's the sellout uh, now? Uh, and I don't know is if it means, about cider? It isn't. I don't know if it's me or him that he's saying it about, because it's true of both of us. I am an Adams Family billionaire, which makes me a fucking idiot. I should have said that at the beginning of the show. I am a bit... And so is he. he he's a guy on, uh, on Twitter who keeps on posting his high score on the Adams Family pinball. Right, yeah. I've got 1.6 billion now, so I think I might be beating him. So, but maybe not. That's a lot. Uh, and, it's, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. And... Uh, <laughs> Are you aware of Britcom, Dirty Britcom Confessions website? Uh, just from yes, yeah. There are there are a few of yours. They're quite they're quite they're quite a lot actually. They're quite nice on on the this sort of uh, this one happened to me in the dressing room as well. Uh, this is Mark Watson. Mark Watson bent over. I saw crack. I enjoyed it. I mean, to be fair, my. Like I'm so thin in my trousers yeah. are so regularly low that that's that's barely a confession. Also, if you didn't enjoy it, there'd be something wrong with you. <laughs> but it was so, enjoyable. Yeah, I, you're not being funny, but who doesn't want to see a bit of this crap? Nice. Uh, okay, yes, this... most people in the end. Yeah. Uh, we'll make, we'll make, we'll make, we'll, as he turns around, have a look. We'll get, get the cameras in tight. I'm going to uh, back off now. Here's another. I want to fuck Mark Watson and cuddle him at the same time. I mean, what kind of person what? doesn't want to do that? I mean, that, this person's going, yeah, I'm not just want to fuck him, I want to cuddle him as well. Look at me, I'm not a nice I'm guy. I'm quite enjoying the way I, the confessions have gone. I, I, I think, um... I call it a fuckle. <laughs> He's highly fucklable. Is this a real one? That's a real one. Well, I suppose but that person, that's, that's I mean, no, reasonably good news. Um, I mean, like, <laughs> it's nice to think I'm going to get sex and also solace. Yeah. Um, it's sad to think someone might just want to fuck you and not, I mean, just literally be in you and just I was gonna say, keeping every other part of their body away yeah. from you. You sort of feel like cuddling is part and parcel of yeah. it, really, yeah. don't you? Yeah. yeah. At least yeah. be, no, to begin with, just at the end. It shouldn't be least. an enormous confession to go, I want to fuck him, but also touch him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even so, it's very rare someone expresses that level of enthusiasm for me. <laughs> and where these come from These come from, your... these come from this website. This, uh, it's, they've stopped taking... Uh, it's a shame they've stopped taking uh, com- confessions. I'm not surprised after this crop. Um, <laughs> I would love to screw Mark Watson on my couch and on my bathroom floor... Even in bed would suit me. So it's nice, they're flexible. They're flexible. That's someone that's ready to really go to the worst possible extremes and have sex in their bed. 
This is, are these different? I think these this are hard to might believe. Be some of them. I, I know they're all real. A lot of propositions like this. Um, I want to watch Mark Watson masturbate. Ah. Well, the, t- <laughs> the tone has changed. Um, <laughs> we can make that dream come true right not, now if you want. If you it's want not to a do. service that I currently we, offer. We've, um, got, we've got 20 minutes, 15 minutes. If it was for the sake of selling cider, of course I'd do it. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't normally masturbate without some sort of brand attached to it. Um, <laughs> this is incredible. I wish I was on this site more often. Yeah, you should go and have it. It's a very, you know, it's kind of an ego boost and a terrifying... Peculiar... Why would you want to watch somebody? Even if you liked somebody, why would you want to watch them masturbate? Wouldn't you want to? I've got more sympathy with the person that wanted to just have sex with me yeah. while cuddling. That's, that's, a, that's a. Well, also, do, are they watching you? Is it like sitting here and watching you masturbate, or is it watching you like through a window or from a, from a cupboard? We need more. I think if we're going to do it, I'd rather do it at close quarters <laughs> in a way. It's through a window go, is peculiar. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So it's, it's happening. Yeah. I'd rather if we're doing yeah, it. I would. I would make them a cup of tea afterwards and stuff like that. Yeah. Wouldn't it make you uncomfortable if there's just... Oh, yes, very interesting. Like, I, I, the way you're doing it is making me uncomfortable. Yeah, but... I, I, <laughs> yes. I, I, I might go, yeah, and go on and masturbate that penis a bit more. Would that, would I, um, that be, make you uncomfortable? I think I'm still happy with the way this is going, <laughs> yeah. Any more? Uh, well, I'll ask you. I've got an, a, a, a cash for questions. Uh, I'll get paid to ask you this question. Uh, the guy who's asked this, Andrew McGovern, has so little uh, confidence in himself, he's asked a second question, uh, in case I don't like the first one. But I'm going to go with this first one. You've been on stage for 27 hours in a row, not just tonight, in uh, another time. What are the first social and psychological niceties to break down under this kind of duress, in case it's of interest to Human Rights Watch? Uh, you, um... Uh, in case... You, and many of you won't know, I've done these... Uh, marathon shows and the last one was 27 hours long I think the, the well probably the, the first nice thing that breaks down is just people's names you forget people's names right. even if it's someone really famous like in about the 20th hour if you had Obama on stage you would be like that guy <laughs> um, and also just you, you yeah you lose your tolerance generally I think like um People come on and do funny stuff, and you will still chat to them, but you're no longer interested in uh, catering to what they might be feeling because your thing is always, Yes, but I've been awake for 20 hours. So, essentially, I suppose the answer is you lose respect for the rest of humanity <laughs> um, because, rightly or wrongly, you decide that your situation is worse, than, even yeah. though it's self inflicted. I get you know. that from doing any gig in front with, yeah, with an audience. I lose respect for humanity. You don't have to be on stage for 27 hours <laughs> no. to start to hate the human race. It's true. You can do it within an hour. Are you yeah. on. The whole time, pretty you go much. To, must go to the sometimes loom, there's a guest. Sometimes that yeah, I'll have a wee. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go and masturbate for money. <laughs> um, <laughs> what would be funny is if you took that previous bit out but kept that in, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> that, I think my status with comic relief would go down if, if you edit this wrongly. Sometimes there's like you sent a message in last time. Sometimes we yes. show messages on the screen. But yeah, you are on stage for most of that time. So you basically um you you kind of um you forget how to deal politely with people. Yeah. yeah. I think politeness is something which um is imposed by sort of everyday routine. As soon as you've been on you know, even if you've not been on for stage for that long, if you're just if you're tired in everyday life, you do start to uh not treat people with as much respect. So it's probably it's probably that. Yeah. yeah. 
it, what is it about you that makes you push yourself this much? Because obviously, like doing these are quite extreme things in Edinburgh. You do quite quite full on weird shows, and you're writing novels, which is very difficult. And you're, you're in all these different areas of uh, comedy, and so you're pushing yourself. And I can understand this, and I think maybe my next guest, Robin, it's can also understand it. Yeah, Ince uh, is, is, is worse than me. Yeah, what well, he's yeah, worse than uh, me. So that's uh, Ince is. is I mean, he's probably back there listening. Is. Ince is a fucking idiot. He is. So, you know, I tell um, you, I wouldn't want to watch Matt in masturbate, though. That is one that I, I would not want to see no, that. I don't think I would, but I don't think I'd want to watch me masturbate. There's <laughs> someone out there does. Um, I think I'm, I, I shouldn't say it, but I'm really pleased with that. Um, <laughs> it's not something I thought was on anyone's mind. Don't clap it! <laughs> that shouldn't be the highlight of the show. <laughs> I just, uh, I didn't think that would be a thing. What do, you think it, what do you think it is, though? And what is it about the three of us, I think, would be fair to say, that we kind of seem to well, be obsessed about producing a huge amount of content? It's a good question. Doing... I think, I mean, I think it's probably just that, well, for me, I think it's partly just, I'm always conscious that life is pretty short and your career uh, in, a, in a field like this might be shorter still. Like, no one knows how long you're going to, to be fair, you've done it. You've, you've hung in there for bloody ages. I have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you never know when it's... You never do but know. But it's mainly by me just doing my own things well, that's the forcing thing. other you, people to come on them. In a way, you sort of have to... Um, you have to accept that if this is your life, then um, there's a finite period in which you'll be uh, commercially... And not, it's not even about commerce, actually. You're right. It's just purely... I'm 35, so I've got maybe 20 more years of doing this sort of thing before I become... There are comedians older than me, but it becomes all... You couldn't do that thing about masturbating if I was 58, for example. <laughs> so, uh, once you're aware that you have a finite period of productivity, I'm just keen to sort of cram it with as much as... But also, I've just got loads of ambitions. Like, there's so many novels that I want to write, and there's just a lot of stuff I want to do, I suppose. That's the simplest answer. Yeah. I'm d- determined to... And some people mellow out because they get... A, a family, or but we've both got. Robin's got. A family, we've all got kids and stuff. Yeah. For me, I have not found that any other aspect of life diminishes my appetite for work. Basically, I just love. I think I just love doing it. That's the simplest answer. Yeah. I love doing it, and also, n- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and also, everything I do, like a book or a long show, anything, I can always um, imagine a better way that I might have done it. So I've always got. As soon as a project ends, I think, if yeah. I could have another crack at that, it would be that bit better. So in that sense, it's a bit like your obsession with Adam's family, I think. They're, they're, they're like, um, work for me is, is like an app that you know there is a higher score you could get. And it's yeah. not purely about... It's not about... In fact, these days for me, it's not at all about money or even prestige. I don't really mind about my status anymore. I, I, there's just this pride that comes from thinking, I could, everything I'm doing, I could just do it a bit better... Yeah. And that's what motivates me, I think. Do you think, and this is something I just think about myself, and I don't think it about you, but I wonder whether, like, by doing less, that it might, that, that might actually lead to be becoming more successful. In a way, yeah, in a way I, by, oh, no, I've done a new show every year for 12 years, and I, now going back and doing them all again and starting to do little best-of shows, you kind of go, yeah. well, if I'd just worked at that hour for, for four years and then done a show rather than done four different shows in four years. I do sometimes think that, and I've had various managers friends, various people who've said, why do you do so many things at once if you dedicate yourself to one? And a lot of the people that we're up against, dare I say it, um, a lot of successful stand-ups are pretty much purely doing stand-up and yeah. they devote themselves to that. And I do sometimes think, am I tying my own hands by 
um, by operating on two or three different... But I, I, it's just what I want to do, I think. I, I don't think I could give up writing... Well, I certainly couldn't give up writing novels in order to just do stand-up. But I don't think I'd want to not do stand-up. So basically, I'm just sort of doing what I feel like I should be doing, I think. There are times when I think, could I have become a sort of uh, McIntyre level or at least a Russell Howard-sized um, comic if I had done nothing but... But I think the answer is probably no. Because you have a kind of level that you're going to reach as a comedian I've reached mine I think it, it probably couldn't have been any higher than I in football teams championship I'm like I'm about like whatever like the 42nd comedian in the, like, that's probably where I was meant to go I maybe think. but I also think at suddenly like, you know well, but, you know, you took it, Stuart, at something can suddenly happen yeah you know suddenly at a point in your career and suddenly something changes and it, and it becomes something else yeah and to be fair that could still happen I suppose yeah. but I think I suppose I don't regret any of the things like novels or any of the um, projects that I've taken on which have eaten a lot of time away from my stand-up. And I also don't regret having the stand No, I think, I think I'm just a person that's happiest doing lots of projects and I'll continue to pursue that even if it's to the detriment of all those projects. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, probably a shame. But, and again, for somebody, for anyone like Stuart or anyone that might accuse me of being kind of um, commercially minded, I would say the the final disproof of that is that I've willingly pursued five or six career strands in a row knowing that all of them are screwing each other. Yeah. So I, I've basically committed career suicide because I really like books. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think I'm happy that with that. And I think you probably are too. I yeah. can't imagine you just doing one thing and pursuing No, that. and I like, you know, and I like that, and I like... Uh, I mean, Stu was critical of me for wasting lots of money on doing my last play, and he said I should have thought about my family. But I'm glad that I wasted that money on that life. I'd rather spend the money that I've made from doing other things, which I'm lucky enough to do, on creating more more work that hopefully will you know but also yeah. you, everyone, you can't start thinking about your family but no uh, but also everyone you're taking a punt on you know you're taking a punt if that thing becomes successful then, then it will become com- you, the money well, you've yeah. spent or the time you've spent on creating it will become commercially viable anyway but you know all you can do with this business I think is to is to just do what you think's good and hope someone will agree at that's some point that's basically exactly the same thing that I do and stand up is a very flimsy sort of thing yeah. writing is a very all of the things individually are quite a frail thing to hang your career on so I think it's I think it's worth having those different things yeah. Yeah. but also I would just be unhappy if I wasn't doing stand up if I was just writing books I'd be looking at stand ups thinking I'm roughly as good as Russell Kane I've got a very different <laughs> approach to hair but like I'm, you know, I, you know and if I had purely concentrated on stand-up and not published any books, I'd be reading books thinking, oh, so in a way, if there's something that you desperately want to do, I think you've just got to do it, whether it makes immediate commercial sense or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, Robin is a better example of that even, because he does about 28 different projects, none of which make sense as far as I can see. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, I don't think he could live any other way, although he's giving up stand-up, actually. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I suspect I'll talk to him about that. I expect and, you will, enc- yeah. and encourage him. I'm going to... <laughs> You're not here till next week. Go away. You're no, I know, it's a, I know it's a week away, yeah. <laughs> it's hanging around. But it's almost as if he's watching us. Yeah. <laughs> but I, well, no, this weekend, when I, when I went to Tring, they were putting on right, one of my old plays, Punk's Not Dead, which I did in 1996. Uh, and I was, I, it's weird having gone back with both Fist of Fun, which we've obviously re-released ourselves and gone back and had to watch and do commentaries of. And in my mind, I was thinking, That's, that was a great show. It's a shame it never got the recognition it deserved. Yeah. But going back to watch it, 
certainly in the second series, I could understand why it hadn't been recommissioned, even though I thought there's lots of good things in it. I could, well, no, I could understand why it hadn't been recommissioned because it was a bit of a mess because, we, because of the changes they made us make, really. The first series was pretty good, but also you go, OK, it's not... It isn't like the lost classic uh, sketch show. It was all right, but it wasn't. It was good. Yeah. But it wasn't. Uh, I was, it was at school. It was all, but it was all right. But it was, you know, I saw. You come in on I Monday think, and say the moon and the stick, and everyone <laughs> liked you. I think I, I think I felt like we'd been overlooked unfairly. Yeah. And, and, but also my my solo stand-up shows going going back and looking and listening to them all again in the trying to remember them all again. I thought, oh, those shows were kind of a lot of those shows were great, and some of them are, I'm very pleased with them. They're good, but there's still lots of bits in. You go, oh God, that's that's not as good as I remember, or I can see why that, yeah. or at least I can see why that wasn't successful. But interestingly, Punk's Not Dead, which is the oldest of all, well, 1996, having seen that again, you kind of go, God, that was, that was like a real, I did really well, that's a really well-written play. So you should But nothing happened with it. You, you know? should have retired I should have. Well, I should have retired, yeah. but also, it's very easy to do something that's good, and nobody really knows. Notices. Yeah, exactly, that is another argument for producing a lot of work, yeah. definitely. Some of the work that, no matter how good, for whatever reason, will go unnoticed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which again, I might, might, might talk to Robin Matt when if he ever turns up. Uh, but uh, but you know, the office was a, was an example of something that which Robin was completely yeah. involved with. Something that I think none of the people in there would have th- they all were happy with it, but they wouldn't have thought this would go on to be the most successful sitcom ever. No, you could can't. easily have been not you know just passed. It very nearly was passed you over. You can't possibly uh, predict what people what no. of the things that you produce people will like. Yeah, right? or you know things that are very good can be overlooked. But you know, one thing out of everything I've done. Doesn't really count for much, does it? But uh, so, <laughs> still nice though. It's nice to have it. It's nice to see very some... successful podcasts as well. Oh, I've got that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's very much dependent on the guest. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> this will do all right. It is, it's very good. I'm joking. You said you would blog every day for ten years. How's that going? Nah, I, I am. Um, <laughs> I did do two years, uh, and then I, I had to um, give up because of. Um, you know when you have kids yeah. your, your life isn't it doesn't really work anymore <laughs> so I, it was that yeah, yeah. I, would, I, did, I would have kept it going but I had, I had suddenly I was doing um, it was a shame really because yeah. I used to enjoy I've that. done 12 and a half years I know every day. I know fuck off it is, uh, it is a lot harder with, uh, with the baby but then, yeah. but then there are it does give you some things to write about which some people then get annoyed about but that's all that is happened to me this, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit behind even at the moment I'm a couple of I was behind. forced to, to give it up because it was I was um, it was interfering with um, it was politically yeah so I um, <laughs> I couldn't really do it anymore but on the plus side I've relaunched Fist of Fun with myself in it so um, <laughs> Good. we've basically got the same career but yeah. just we're just doing it in a different order <laughs> I think <laughs> Um, I'll ask you some emergency questions. I think you're a very good guest, Mark. I was only joking then. <laughs> I, I, as I say, I think it will do... <laughs> on the spectrum of your downloads, it will be right in the middle, average. <laughs> but there'll be someone that listens to it and thinks, imagine him wanking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someone, whoever it is. It's not they want to imagine it, they want to see it. Uh, um, I have, it's not impossible. Uh, if you could take... I've got a... Uh, I've got a <laughs> Everyone's got their prize. I've got Carry a section. No, we, should, we should finish quite soon. You've got yes, to do another gig. Well, no, that one, I'll ask an easy one. I'll ask one easy one. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? That's an easy <laughs> one. It's easy. No, this is the big end of the show. Oh, is it, is yeah. this the, literally the last literally, question? It probably will be, because you've got to go and do another gig. I've forgotten. No, I, no, I haven't. I always sort of feel like... If, if you can't get anyone to do it, then you probably have to hold your hands up and say, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's the sort of thing where you can uh, create your own solution, really. Yeah. 
And by hold your hands, I mean quite literally, because that does take you out of it, I think. Yeah. Um, it, would you just, what if someone wanted to watch you sucking your own That would be different, tongue? of course, yeah. Uh, and I suppose, no, somebody does. Yeah, probably. Well, that's not that up there yet, but if, if they open submissions again, but they'll be thinking very about well. it, I'm it sure. Might very yeah. well Is um, that how we're going to end it? I'm we gonna, can't, can we? Yeah, we can. Well, um, uh, all right, hold on. Um, you were the voice of a rabbit in the Innocence Movies advert. I, I just think... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> OK, back to the cock. <laughs> um, what was Mark Watson's Dry Stone Wall show all about? I didn't see that one. No, nobody did. Because um, <laughs> it didn't happen. On Wikipedia, it says... Uh, you know, sometimes pranksters will edit Absolutely. your Wikipedia page. So my Wikipedia page says, in 2014, as part of his Edinburgh show, he constructed a dry stone wall using traditional methods. And um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who did it or why. I don't know why someone's done that. But um, in a way, I like it. I'm just about <laughs> successful enough that every six months or so, someone puts a thing like that on my Wikipedia. I'm, I'm, I was heavily sceptical that it was a real thing because I really thought I would have heard of that. Yeah, uh, but I, I googled I, it, and then there are other articles. Yes, there are. Because <laughs> so I thought maybe he did do this. So I kind of thought quite I should a few ask. like interviewers now ask me. So how do you build a dry stone wall? And and other articles without even interviewing me have just written. His projects include a 27-hour show, various novels, and famously, a dry stone wall. Which you've, uh, <laughs> Once you've got that on Wikipedia, yeah. uh, very quickly it becomes, it becomes a new reality. Presumably you have to do that show in a different venue every day, or you'd have to do constructing a dry stone wall, and then the next show is taking a dry stone wall There apart. were actually lots of technical challenges yeah. to it, yeah. Um, <laughs> not least the fact that it never happened. I, I've got no idea how to build a wall. I don't think it would have been great yeah. entertainment either. But the fact that it remained up there for months... Still there? It's still there. Still there. Um, no citation needed on there? It's, it's a fact. doesn't even say this page has been... No. no, so there you go. I suppose I take it as a compliment that people think I'm capable of doing that. Do yeah. you think that maybe you should do that show? Just uh, as one in the eye? I suppose eye. it'd be one way of putting the record straight, <laughs> wouldn't it? But I, I get the impression that it's quite hard to build a wall. Yeah, I, especially a dry, a dry stone wall is no... You just literally... Oh, no, I think it'd be very Dry stones, hard. I think, mainly it's made of. No, I don't even know where you get dry... St- I suppose I'd go to home base or something, but... Um, <laughs> no, I think I'll probably... I think I'll probably crack on with the comedy if I can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Stuart, I'm really... I'm trying really hard. <laughs> yeah, um. uh, that's Robin Ince. I'll better not ask you his questions. Uh, <laughs> don't ask me why I'm fucking obsessed with science. Uh, you did break my rib. You, you're indirectly responsible for breaking my rib. Phrases like "you broke my rib" are very misleading. <laughs> uh, yes, I, yes. Um, it, was, it was mainly Key's fault. Tim Key's fault. It was much more the fault of Tim Key. Richard was a guest on We Need Answers, a an Edinburgh late show that I did, which became a TV show, and we had very high stools uh, for the guests. And Herring, uh, it's fair to say. Yeah, broke a rib getting... Well, yeah, I was in a, one of my fitness periods. I was quite uh, fit and I was a bit drunk. Yes. And I was, so but I've got the... very short legs. Yes, so these, all these in all a terrible very, combination. These stools yeah. are very high. So I tried to get on and couldn't get on because of my short legs. And then Tim, Tim Key held it for me and I was going to try and leapfrog onto it. I know. And... But then he moved it. Yeah, and you, and you were sort of saying, oh, this hurts, this is yeah. a bit sore. And it's one of those situations where you think someone's sort of whinging and then ultimately they've got a crippling injury <laughs> yeah I, um, I got through the show I didn't win it was a competition it was only afterwards we found out yeah. you had a yeah it was only, a, cr- it was only yeah. a crack rib 
That's all it was. It's pretty horrible. <laughs> Not ideal, yeah. For com- I'll do anything for comedy, though, Will. Oh, no, you, that's yeah. what, I'll do anything for a laugh. That's, that's what the kind of guy guys we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just insane. I'm building Me too, I'll do anything wall. for comedy or side yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been lovely to talk to you, Mark Watson. It was Most of what we did was improvisation, my dear Mark Watson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really was, my dear Richard Herring. <laughs> I'm going to look it up, and if it wasn't my dear Mark Watson, I'm going to be absolutely furious. If there is another series, can I be on? Please be on it. At the moment, it's looking a big if. <laughs> In fact, all I want to do is the, is the, open, is the opening titles. That's it. That's all and I then want to you go, I'm going to write it for you. I've done this for two tribes as well. People keep on going, this will be the musical. <laughs> there'll be images of people improvising and, and this and then it'll come to me and just my voice I'll go improvisation my dear Mark Watson I, I can't see that not being commissioned to be fair <laughs> my dear Herring ladies and gentlemen it's my dear Mark Watson <laughs> Richard Herring's That's the Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Mark Watson. The music is by Pest. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and to everyone at GoFastStriAP.com for all their help in putting this together. It is produced by Ben Walker. He's a nice man. He's got lots of children. Uh, his penis is working fine and his testicles also. And it is a GoFastTheStripe.com fuzz and go f- and Sky Potato. Not Go Faster Stripe again, that would be stupid. And Sky Potato production for the internet. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for watching and or listening to Rich Tang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. No thanks for watching and not listening, though. That would be a stupid thing to do. And masturbating while you're watching it. I've not, I'm not, if you're going to masturbate to it, at least listen to what we're saying at the same time. That is my message to you. Uh, Andy Hilton has paid us to say something at the end of this podcast. What he wants us to say is egg. So thank you very much for watching. Uh, go to richterring.com slash gigs, find out where I'm gigging. Come to Les Square Theatre to see me doing all my 12 shows uh, over August and September. Uh, go to gofasterstripe.com and buy a badge. Or a DVD if you want to help us make more of these. I am indebted to the following people who helped us to pay for filming the podcasts. They are Matthew Smith, Ewan Duncan, Rob Applin, Darren Foote, Colin Anderson, Raymond Harpney, Kevin Tipcorn, Steve Mash, Dean Ratland, Gaynor Wilson, Adam Queck, Stuart Fawcett, Tim Turner, Julian Benton, Thomas Baldwin, Lauren Pilkington, Matthew Blackburn, Neil Martin, Jack Burton, Fraser Levy, Gina Lynn, Paul Jeffrey, Rob Ward, Robert Tang Richardson, Leo Vagoda, Carol Forster, Iki Kawa, Colm McGonagall, Aurora Watters, Jake, Heather Henderson, Simon Carl, Christine Sato, David Collier, Jijin John, Roy Owens, Matthew Poynton, and Stuart Martin, Elizabeth Engstrom, Neil Wood, Christopher Beck, Jason Locascio, come on, Rachel Todd, Karen Trethewey, that is a way of saying that I expect, isn't that? Karen Trethewey, Karen Trethewey, it's a, it's a Cornish name. Good to know that the Corn- Cornwall has the internet or that someone from Cornwall has escaped. Uh, Amy L. Paul, in capital letters, and Chris Heath. Thanks to all of those and all the other people who gave money to our Kickstarter.